tell me about your kids. Tell Me About Your Kids is a conversation on connected parenting. Bonnie Harris talks to parents about their problems and struggles. Listen in. These conversations can be your support system in your day-to-day parenting journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tell Me About Your Kids. I'm Bonnie Harris. I'm your host, and I am here this week with another tip for the month of August. I'm doing a tip a week. Last week, I talked about how it's so important to understand that your child's behavior is your signal to what's going on with your child and your child's attempt at being successful. Always, always your child is trying to be successful. Even though it doesn't look like it, I know what you're saying right now. It doesn't look like it at all, but it's it's a reframe. It's a mindset shift to understand that my child is having a problem, not being a problem. And when we can make that mindset shift, we can see our child and their behavior very differently. And you're not going to feel so exhausted and drained and angry. So today, I want to talk about what goes on with us, why we get so angry, and what to do about it, right? So this is about when your kids push your buttons, and those buttons go off, and I believe when that button is detonated, there is nothing you can do in the moment to rescue yourself or rescue your child until that button gets diffused. So I talk a lot about this in my book, When Your Kids Push Your Buttons and What You Can Do About It. And there is a workbook you can get that goes along with it. And I also have a Buttons Audio Seminar where you can follow along with other people doing the entire class. And that comes with the download of the workbook. Today, I want to give you some tips on what to do in order to diffuse that button. Plenty of times the work needs to go a lot deeper, but this is what you can do, and perhaps this is all you might need. So when you are in the heat of the moment with your child, when you are in a power struggle, you are at that point where you feel out of control, right? You feel like there's nothing you can do to stop yourself from yelling. Perhaps you think your mother or father is coming out of your mouth with those words you swore you were never going to say. And so what I want to help you with now is what to do after the situation as preemptive for the next, because it's going to happen again. You know it is. So after a situation is over and you have calmed down and your thinking brain is back online, this is when you want to do the work, right? Not in the heat of the moment, not feeling like you just can't do this. It has to happen when 
your emotions are down so that your amygdala is not flooding your brain so that your cortex is able to help you think reasonably, right? So I'm going to give you six pointers on this. The first is to notice. After the situation is over, get yourself a piece of paper and a pencil and write down the following. This is what you're noticing about what happened. What was I feeling at the time? I think this is the easiest place to start because I don't think anybody has any difficulty in coming up with how you were feeling. But don't stop with angry. List all the feeling words that apply. And remember, feelings are one word only. A phrase gets into thinking. So feelings are one word, like exhausted, drained, overwhelmed, failed, hopeless, frustrated, resentful, guilty, on and on and on. You can think of all kinds of words. You want to get really good at this with your emotional literacy. And the more specific you can be with your feelings, the better you're able to do this exercise. Then after you've written down your feelings and write down as many as you need, ask yourself then, If I felt that way in that moment, what must I have been thinking? Because it's your thoughts that generate your emotions. You wouldn't be feeling any way you feel if you didn't have thoughts prior. It's your thoughts that generate your feelings. So ask yourself, if I felt that way, what must I have been thinking? For instance, who does she think she is? Why won't she ever listen? What an ungrateful child I've raised. Here we go again. Her emotions are out of control. I don't know what I'm doing. I obviously shouldn't have been a parent. I have brought up this ungrateful child, right? This is where we go. These are the voices in our head that we need to tame. So, Write that down. Write as many thoughts as you can come up with down on paper. Number two is spot the trigger. What was happening and how was I feeling right before that situation that might have caused me to be so quick to temper? For instance, this was the third meltdown of the day, or I had no sleep last night, Or this happens every time I feel unappreciated. Or every time I tell my child he's got to do something and he gets upset and I then lose it, right? Think about what the trigger might be and write it down. Number three, this is very important, everybody. Practice self-compassion. Of course, it's understandable that I would think what I did because blank. Fill in the blank. List the reasons you have for feeling tired, frustrated, impatient, or overwhelmed. Of course, I lose my temper when I think that she is being a brat, never listens, whatever it is. 
This, of course, is just as important for you as it is for your child. You are not the only parent in the world who loses it. This happens to the best, most educated, wealthiest, you name it, whatever, parent on earth. Everyone gets their buttons pushed. So this self-compassion is going to be necessary for you to really be able to accomplish this exercise. Okay, number four, get objective and question yourself. This is why you have to wait until your cortex is back online in order for you to do this objectivity. Am I willing to be wrong about those ideas in my head? Is there another way of looking at this? Is it possible that I'm not seeing the whole picture right now? Am I taking what my child said or did personally? Do I always think this way about her? When I'm less tired or stressed or fed up, how would I be thinking about this then? This is where you want to kind of be a witness of yourself and the situation. You want to really think about what was going on rather than believing those thoughts in your head, right? So number five is look at the facts only. Name the facts without any opinion or judgment. So anytime you start thinking, oh, that's, that could be my opinion, maybe my husband feels differently, or perhaps my friend or my sister might think differently, that's when you're getting into opinion or judgment. So you're naming the facts as if you were a journalist. She was watching a video. I told her she had to stop. She got angry and yelled. Those are facts. Or, he walked through the door with a grumpy look on his face. I told him to cheer up. Those are facts, right? There's no opinion or judgment there. Just naming the facts starts to put you in that place of being able to possibly look at the situation differently. Six. This is the most important step. This is what you've been building up to. Six is reframing your assumptions. So all of those thoughts in your head, you know, she won't ever do what I tell her to do. What an ungrateful, unappreciative kid. How can he tell me that? How can he see it that way? What did I do for him just yesterday? Oh my God, here we go again right? All of those thoughts are the assumptions you're making. That's why you should be able to get to that space where you can think, hmm, okay, that's my perception. That was my perception in that moment. Perhaps it's not true that she never listens. Perhaps she just doesn't listen when I'm telling her something she doesn't want to hear. So reframing your assumptions does not mean all Pollyanna, 
woo-woo, my child is wonderful, I never have to yell at my child, I remain calm at all times, my child is just being herself. Those are, you might think of them as affirmations, but that's not going to help you out because they don't do it for you. They don't hit that, well, that's true place. You want to reframe your assumptions, but you're reframing them to an objective understanding of the situation as opposed to an emotional understanding, right? So for instance, instead of she's out to control this family and thinks only of herself, you would possibly reframe that to she must feel miserable to get so angry. Of course, she wants what she wants. That's normal. Or instead of, he's always so negative about everything. You can reframe that to, he got upset because I criticized the way he looked and told him he should feel different. Right? So what you're doing is taking the facts and putting them in a new way of creating a perception of the situation. When my daughter, who I spoke about last week, when my daughter was in, oh, in that horrible place and my button was fully detonated and I just lost it every time, my assumption about her, I realized, was she's out to get me. She's doing this on purpose. She's bound and determined to ruin my day, right? That's what happened every morning when I saw that face of hers and we got into a power struggle. One morning, suddenly something changed in my head and I looked at her, same face. She didn't change at all. Remember, this has nothing to do with trying to change your child or their behavior. This has all to do with you. So this particular morning, I looked at her and I thought, wait a minute, she's not out to get me, she's miserable. And my head did a 180 degree turn. It just flipped from what she was doing to me what I had to do about it, how she was making me exhausted, making me angry, all this stuff. Instead, when I saw that she was miserable, I just went to her. It was, became about her and what I needed to do to help her. And in that instant, I accepted her, misery and all, behavior and all right? So I flipped from she's out to get me to she's miserable. That's what did it for me. It was life-changing. And it's not always that easy. I mean, I had been doing a lot of work on this. So it's important to realize that it is your thinking that provokes your emotions. And that is what makes us react the way we do. So you think something, that makes you feel something, that sets you into 
reaction, right? That's called the emotional chain reaction. If you think your kids are never going to amount to anything, of course you will feel terrible and think you failed as a parent. Take the time to put everything in perspective with facts, not emotions. Now, this is important. Do not try to do this work in the heat of the moment. In the heat of the moment, when you're yelling because your child is yelling, your amygdala is firing with emotion. And as Daniel Goldman has said in his wonderful book, Emotional Intelligence, your brain is flooded with emotion. You are on emotional hijacking. You must wait, right? You must wait until your reasoning brain is back online. And this is just exactly what happens to your child in that moment of anger, right? Your child is being emotionally hijacked. Your child is flooded with emotion. Your child's amygdala is firing on all cylinders. Nobody can be reasonable. So in that moment, do not ever try to say anything that is is a reasonable request of your child, like calm down. Why are you so upset about that? What is going on with you? Anything that has any reason to it, don't bother. It would be like you in the moment of that losing it when your button has been pushed. If your partner came to you and said, what's wrong with you? Can't you see she's only a kid? Right? It's just like in that moment, you're in that. So repairing is what you have to look forward to. It's okay. Everybody does this. Wait until after the moment is over to reframe, right? Now, in the moment, if you can, and this may take some time and some work, if you can, when your child is screaming at you or throwing or whatever is happening, do nothing. Stop. Count to 10 if you can. Because, you see, one of the reasons we yell is because it seems like this is the moment we have to do the teaching. This is the moment she's got to learn a lesson. But it's important for you to know that nothing can be learned in that moment that you want her to learn, right? Nothing. So if you can stop and say nothing, then, and count to 10, often that's enough time to bring your thinking brain back online. It doesn't take long. But try that. And then next week, we're going to talk about how to repair. And that is often the most wonderful teaching opportunity you will ever have with your child. Till next week, thanks a lot, and I hope you can put this to work. Thanks for listening. I'm Bonnie Harris. 
If you're curious to learn more or would like to talk to me personally, check out my website, bonnieharris.com, where you can also find my books, When Your Kids Push Your Buttons and Confident Parents' Remarkable Kids. There are also links in the liner notes. And please subscribe to Tell Me About Your Kids on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell Me About Your Kids is produced and scored by Echo Finch. Thank you.